Good morning, everybody. The Chiefs don't play till 5.30, so we got all day. I'm from Kansas City. Hey, keep it down on the balcony up there, coach. I don't know how long it took you to figure out that your family was weird, but it all became clear to me one day. We were sitting at a table eating food like the Bohai family loves to do, and it dawned on me that it's not actually ordinary or normal for those who are currently participating in a meal who are already planning and thinking of their next. I got a witness here in the back, so... Rudy and Veronica, right? I don't know about you, but uh, my old mentor, Pastor Ron Salisbury, used to say, every family is weird, so there's no use in denying it. But it it was clear to me that it's not actually all that normal, except for, for us, that while you're currently ingesting a meal, you're already thinking about your next. Do I have any people out there who may want to confess the same thing, because there's Ray, a few, there's a few, Gordon, Susan, Peter, okay, that's enough, so that's not just us, we just lost our little clique and club, but but every family has traditions, quirks, weirdness, can I get an Amen. But as we look to step number two, as we looked at following Jesus last week, and if you missed last week, you can listen to the podcast and catch up with us. This week, we're going to look at what it means to grow in community or in the family of God. And even though many of our traditions, many of our quirks, our idiosyncrasies, many of the little nuances that differ from family to family or from group to group, there are some foundational things that as participants who believe in Jesus, we find ourselves in this community called the body of Christ, the family of believers. There are things that are essential to the family of God. There are things that are more than just traditions for some, take it or leave it, There are things that God describes in his word that are absolutely essential and foundational to what it means to be in the family of God. Four simple things. Open up your Bibles or your smartphones or your tablets, or maybe you have all of the book of Acts memorized, then praise the Lord. Good for you. Turn to Acts chapter two, and let's look at this first explosion of the Holy Spirit and this massive move of God and people turning to Jesus and forgiven of their sins and they're baptized and let's look at some of the simple essential elements that we see this first really after Jesus' death and resurrection what were the things that this first new large family of Jesus devoted themselves to? I'll start with verse 36. 
Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And what's another word for Messiah? Christ or King. Anointed King. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, one of Jesus' original followers, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. Stop. Turn around and be baptized. Be immersed in the waters. Allow your old life to die and be raised in the power of God's spirit to live a new life in Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. There's so much there. This promise is for who? For you and your children and for all who are far off. And we all said amen. Amen. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Incredible story, amen? Can you imagine the scene? The, The apostles and those waiting in the upper room in Jerusalem were waiting and praying for 10 days because right before Jesus ascended after dying and rising and teaching and preaching about God's kingdom and God's reign and God's rule, he ascends and he says, guys, the mission I chose you for, you will not accomplish unless you're filled with my spirit. And we would do good to heed those words today. You can't do what God desires and requires without being stuffed with the very life of God, the Holy Spirit. So they wait, they pray, 10 days, the Holy Spirit is poured out, there is fire, tongues of fire on every head, there are 15 different languages and nations represented at the festival of tabernacle at Pentecost in Jerusalem, and all 15 different nations hear the good news of Jesus Christ in their own native tongue. Unbelievable moment in history. And this newly filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus crew, Peter stands up as a leader and he preaches the first sermon and the whole sermon is just about Jesus. So I don't know if you've ever met someone who claims to be full of the Holy Spirit and they're more interested in talking about themselves or their thing or I'm telling you, if you're, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is you can't stop talking about Jesus. Jesus is always central. Say that with me. Jesus is always central. So Peter connects the Old Testament stories to the story of Jesus, and he says, see, even in you killing him, you are actually fulfilling the scripture that said he would suffer. And oh, by the way, there's also scriptures that said after he suffered and died, he would not let his holy one see decay, so God raised him up because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter preaches the simple truth. Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, and the crowd is cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Have you ever been found out? Have you ever found yourself when you were confronted with the truth that you had overlooked, or rather that you were deaf or blind to, and then the Spirit revealed it, and you you couldn't describe it as anything else other than you were cut to the heart? 
I remember when I was cut to the heart, man. It was no mistaking it. I knew there was a choice to be made. Who's come to that place in their life where you just knew this is a line in the sand kind of moment? I'm cut to the heart. And these thousands of people gathered from the entire Mesopotamian basin scattered all over the known Roman world of the day are there and they hear the gospel and they're cut. And Peter stands up. The only way to heal your now broken and cut heart is to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. What must we do? Say that with me. What must we do? And I will say right here in the get-go, you and I, even though maybe the system maybe you heard about Jesus in was, was one way, but the biblical testimony, you and I are cut to the heart so that we can be born into a community called the church. So many have heard a spin-out version of the gospel that it's just about you and your personal private sins and your personal private life, and my goodness, salvation includes your personal private life. If you agree, say amen. But it is so significant that 15 nations are amassed, and Peter is not presenting the gospel in individualistic you and Jesus only terms. He is saying the good news of the gospel forms a good news people. Why is this significant? Well, yeah. it's significant because part of the good news of the good news message is that former enemies, Jews and Gentiles, become family. Part of the good news of the good news message is that in the same household, there are slave owners and slaves finding themselves around the table of the mercy. What is part of the good news message is that those who used to be uh, warring nations now find themselves washing one another's feet following the master's methods. You see, beloved, we have separated the truth of the gospel to be orthodox truths to believe that are right and uh, true and, and uh, doctrinally sound. But beloved, part of the good news that the world is dying to see is the good news that a people who in no other circumstances would find commonality or common ground find themselves all rallied around the crucified dead, raised and resurrected Messiah who are learning to love each other and to serve each other and defer to one another who are learning to forgive instead of to fight, who are learning to pursue healing instead of the perpetual cycle of hurt, hurt, hurt. Beloved, you and I have believed a truncated gospel message for far too long. The gospel is good news that creates a good news people. So, what is so significant, what is so significant, brothers, what must, it's even in plural terms, what shall we do? And isn't it significant that the promise of the good news of forgiveness, infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism into the new family of God that includes every nation, tribe, and tongue, he says the promise is for what? For you and your children. Come on, someone say, my children. And for all who are far off. Beloved, the good news is good news for all of humanity. God wants his family Full. He wants his house stuffed to the ceiling. Come on, who's got a horror story when too many family visited at the same time? 
I got some hands. Jesus said it this way, in my father's house, there's all kinds of room. When this first gospel message is preached after the Holy Spirit is poured out, the fruit of it is not a bunch of individuals who came to faith, but an entire family that was immersed through the waters of baptism that arose and lived a categorically different life together. That is so hard for us in our Western individualized me, me, me world, but I'm telling you the good news is too good for it just to affect me. It's got to affect us. So what happened after they believed, after they received forgiveness? What happened after they were baptized? 3,000. That would be a fun problem to have. You'd have to have like reinforcements. Uh, Andrew and I went to Israel this last year and it was super beautiful. After we baptized our little group, there were people literally from just nations, thick accents from Eastern Europe and Africa. And they just said, will you baptize us too? And I, there's probably videos somewhere on my Dropbox. But, but how many know after a few baptisms, even though you lose almost a, a half of your weight or more under the water, eventually you're going to need some arm reinforcements. And I can just picture these guys, these newly baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, formerly fearful and cowardly denied Jesus disciples who are now filled with the very life of God, just dunking thousands of people in the water. Can you see it? Can you imagine the buzz and the excitement? Can you imagine... We didn't see this coming. We, were, we thought we were coming for just a traditional festival or feast. We did not expect to encounter the one who just a few days earlier, 50 days earlier, was killed, but apparently was raised again because there's something about these guys that's otherworldly. Imagine being told the promises for you and your children, all of those who are far away. Did you know the good news of the gospel today has the capacity to reach no matter who you view as the furthest from God in your life? There's hope because Jesus reigns. What do they do? Can, remember, you know, what shall we do to be saved? How many know it's one thing to know what to be saved? How many know that's a good thing to know? That was weak. How many know it's a good thing to know how to be saved? But here's what's super significant. How many know it's also really good to know how to stay saved? <laughs> Come on, how many people have you seen start down the road and then find themselves back in rebellion or idolatry or sin or stumbling over their feet? Who's been there before besides me? What is so significant, after he preaches the gospel, repentance, turn away from your sin and yourself and run towards the king who has been raised. Receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit of power to be a witness, the Holy Spirit that starts bearing the fruits of God's spirit and then enables you to be an instrument for the gifts of God's spirit. How many know Peter didn't just stop preaching how to be saved? As a family and as a community, he gives them practices and tools for them to experience the full measure and reality of what they were even saved for. This is a good word. It goes on to say, they, plural, what are we supposed to do? We just got baptized. We just, what do we do? Immediately, they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching, which would be our New Testament, right? The testimony of Jesus, who he is. Someone say who he is. What he's done. What he's doing. What he's promised yet to do. I'm on, you gotta write those down. Who he is. What he's done. What he's currently doing. And what he's promised yet to do. It's all about Jesus. That's the apostles' teaching. Jesus, his kingdom, what it means to live life in Jesus. And to fellowship. No, this is not a once a month, even though we have one coming in November, a give thanks meal. It's going to be amazing. This is not a one-off meal. The, the, The Greek word is koinonia for fellowship. And really what it means is it means that a whole bunch of people no longer have scattered agendas, but that they are meeting together for a common purpose and end, which are God's purposes being fulfilled on the earth as it is in heaven. The word koinonia is a common life. I'm not saying that in the body of Christ there are not diversities of gifts and unique callings, but did you know that the compass, the fiery center of every person in the family of God is to the same end, that Jesus Christ be exalted in all the earth. They were devoted. They weren't wishy-washy. They had just been filled with the Spirit, forgiven. They had just been told the good news. They were baptized. They had given up their rights and sworn full allegiance to King Jesus. That's good, but now what do we do? Immerse yourself in the reality of Jesus, the apostles' teaching. As a community, when you get together, it's not how are the chiefs, because we know how that is. I mean, it is how are the chiefs. Do it. That's fine. I'm not, how's the weather? Is your heart burned for Jesus today? Are you spending time? Are you turning off the tube and open up your app? Are you... Are you, are you immersed in the reality of the apostles' teaching, the, the reality of Christ? If not, let's go through John this week. If you get what I'm saying, we want to become a family, a community where it is normal to constantly bring us back to the only one who has the power to renew us and transform us, Jesus Christ. They were devoted. They were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, everyone's favorite. Did you know that I read a book called, by Tim Chester called A Meal with Jesus? Amazing book. I really, really, really recommend it. He argues if you take away the table in Luke's gospel, you don't have a gospel. Jesus is either at a meal, going to a meal, or leaving a meal. He's a man after my own heart. Did you know that the context that God wants his kingdom and his healing and his forgiveness and his mercy and his hope and his healing, he wants the context of these things to be tables that are open to whoever would come, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Also, the breaking of bread would be, remember before Jesus was crucified, he shared a what with his disciples? A meal. Every time they gathered, what was center was the reminder that Jesus was broken for them that his blood was poured out, that his blood was the cost so that they could be filled with God's spirit. Every time they gathered, what was central was what God had done through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Beloved, we would do well as a family that when we gather, we remind ourselves and literally we remember when we come together as family that the one who holds us together is Jesus Christ. And to prayer. Don't even get me started. 
What other God, the prophet says in Deuteronomy, what other nation is so amazing that when they call on the name of the God, he listens and responds? What other God who, with the second his kiddos turn from themselves and their worry and their insecurities and their fear and they look to him that his heart leaps and he can't wait to pour out grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. What other God is as eager as you and I are as imperfect fathers that when we hear the footsteps of our children running toward our chair that we get excited to prayer. They believed in the power of prayer. Thank you, Mike, for sharing your testimony, the perfect example of the power of prayer. And everyone, when they devoted themselves to Jesus and his teaching, to fellowship, a common aim, they never let each other lose focus of what life was all about and who life was all about. The breaking of bread and remembering Jesus at the center of it all, sharing resources and to prayer. What is the result? Everyone was bored and grumpy and easily dismissed this newly formed Christian community. Everyone was filled with awe. Come on, say that with me. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, this is weird and radical, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together let that soak in. I know you got sports. I know you got jobs. Just hold on. These people weren't just sitting around, right? How many think we think they're like ancient and just sitting around bored doing nothing? No. They had lives. They had jobs. They had places to go and places to be. Amen? This thing's not working. But every day, they continued My goodness, what if that's where the train gets off the rails? Every day, they continued. How many know that growth in Christ is usually through two pipelines? Breakthrough? Everyone say breakthrough. That'd be kind of like Pentecost. The Spirit comes. Whoa! How many love the breakthrough? And process. How many love the process? <laughs> Breakthrough. Process. Every day, they continued to meet. In the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's not bad. Their lives were shaped by dynamic devotion to Jesus. They collectively aimed at showing and sharing Jesus through their love for one another. The overarching forming agent of this new community was the self-emptying sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. 
And all of it was sustained in and through prayer. This is what it means to be part of the family of God. If we get busy doing all sorts of other things and we lose sight of the realities and the practices that alone have the capacity to keep bringing us back to the place where transformation happens. We will busy ourselves doing a lot of things, but at the end of the day, look just like every other community, every other people, every other gathering, but that's not what you and I are made for. We are made to be and become a people through the grace and the empowering presence of Jesus. That because of our love, that doesn't come from us, it comes through and from him. Because of the reality of Jesus in our midst, everyone was filled with awe. And they enjoyed favor. Not because they were tax-exempt status, but because of the generosity, the joyfulness, and the gratitude that permeated the community They just couldn't keep people away. How many would like for that to be a problem that we have to suffer through? (laughs) Bummer. God adds the number daily, those who are being saved. I don't know about you, but my whole life, I've read so many books about community and I could give you titles, you can borrow them from my library. How many know community is tough work? Can we just be real? Am I talking to anyone today? It's way easier to resist being vulnerable. It's way easier to let go of my rights to be in charge and to defer to somebody else. It's way easier to hoard my resources and to build my own barns and to live comfortable and high on the hog and to forget those that are in the same family who aren't as fortunate or blessed. It's way easier to stay hidden in patterns of sin and shame than to admit to a brother or sister we need victory and we need breakthrough. It's way easier to gather around a hobby or something that isn't really controversial than it is to perpetually gather around the crucified and resurrected Messiah. The last I checked, Jesus didn't really call us to easy. He called us to himself. And as hard as community is, it's as foundational as the very first message ever preached after Jesus died and was raised again. Jesus is dead set on having a people that embody who he is and mediate his presence, his power, and his love to a dying and desperate world, wondering if there's room at the table for them. So maybe you're like me today and you need courage to risk it. To risk moving beyond the fringes and stepping in. Maybe you're like me and you've been burned and or hurt by people that you tried to follow or to become community with and you just wonder, do you have enough in the tank to brave being hurt or misunderstood again? 
all I can say for myself. I am desperate to be a part of this kind of community. It's been fun having a little infant wake me up every three or two or three hours. You're allowed three lies in the house of God. That's number one. (laughs) You're not actually allowed any lies. But the other morning I was up at 2 a.m. and because I'm always thinking about stuff and uh, it's almost impossible to go back to bed. Do I have any other people out there? It's just, thank you. So I got up and I went on a three-mile walk, like at four or something, and I just cried out. God, I have to be a part of this kind of community. I have to be a part of a community that is costly, that's built on covenant and mutual agreement to living a kind of life together oriented around Jesus and stuff with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do just church as usual. I can't do just, and I don't really have all the answers and I've read the books and that's my job is to have, but I'm just telling you, I, I, as your brother and pastor, I'm on a journey and I'm inviting you to come along with me (laughs) to discover what does it mean, like they, to gather in the temple courts, to come on Sunday, but also to scatter day by day in our homes, rehearsing again the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by sharing food around a table. I believe if we'll do it, and the key word to all of it is the word devoted. Did you know that this whole entire page falls apart and unravels if the word devoted is lifted? Can I get an amen? You know what? I looked up the word devoted, and this is my last saying or my last thought. I thought it was worth repeating. Printed off three. Just talk amongst yourself for 10 seconds. <laughs> Devoted. Found it. Nailed it. We're really professional around here. <laughs> Devoted. No one's going to like this, but I like it. I'm weird like this. Devoted, the context means the persistent. Submissive, perseverance, and tenaciousness (laughs) of a self-enclosed group who are collectively oriented towards specific goals, all of this encompasses the word devoted. Let me read it again, because that was a lot. The persistent, submissive, perseverance, tenaciousness of a group aiming at the same goal is what the word devoted means. Guys, it's beyond me, but I want to go out swinging for the fences to be devoted. I, community is so hard for me, not because I have hiddenness. You can look at my Netflix. You can look at my, I'm not, I'm open book. The Lord did that to me when I was 16. 
He freed me from fear and I don't have hidden secret things. But I don't know how all to get there. But I want to go there. (laughs) And I hope you can respect a leader who doesn't sit up here and claim to have all of the answers, but, but someone who humbly will run after the one who does with you. Jesus, our King and our Lord. It's not enough to know just how to be saved. You and I need a community around us that can help us, by God's Spirit, stay saved. <laughs> and experience the purpose for which we were saved for. Come on. Which was through our tangible love and devotion to each other and to Jesus and his ways to show the world there's another way possible, another way to experience life as God designed it. Will you stand up with me, fam? You and I were made for this stuff. You know, this morning I have an amazing Bible app called Dwell. You have to pay for it, but whatever. I was an early subscriber, Kickstarter campaign, but anyway. And this Bible app on on my phone, they create playlists. It's one of the coolest Bible listening apps I've ever seen. So they'll make... Sorry, I'm losing you. They make playlists of biblical themes and they weave different, it's like a story. It's like being caught up in a narrative, a story. Well, I listened to the story of new creation today as I was getting ready for worship. And the thought came to me that just as God caused Adam to fall asleep, and what did he do? He took out a rib so that he could have a helpmate, a suitable, a lover, one who could bear his image back to him. I also think, beloved, we'll never experience the full reality of what Jesus died for, that when Jesus, the second Adam, went to sleep, and he was raised, the first thing he does is, by his spirit, create a suitable helper called the church. Just as God breathed life into Adam, God breathed life into those 120 shaking, formerly fearful, inwardly focused, obsessed with their own title and their own accomplishments, and he turned them inside out. And beloved, Jesus did all of that, not to just save you and I individually, but to create and sustain and empower a bride, his people that could reflect his image back to himself and to the world. I just thought of that this morning as I was doing my, I was like, wow. (laughs) You and I are saved. Thanks, yeah. You and I are saved for community. But it would be silly to leave. I don't always do this because, I don't know. I I have opinions, but maybe you're here today and you You didn't know that by believing in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that you could be forgiven of your sins, filled with God's spirit, and experience new life. Well, I want to tell you the good news that you can. And when Peter answered their question, well, what are we supposed to do to be saved? He pointed them right to the simple truth. Repent. Believe the good news. 
Be forgiven and filled with God's spirit and find yourself in a community to support you, to encourage you, and to spur you on. So if there's anyone here today who's never repented, who's never stopped in their sin and their selves and turned towards Jesus and put their trust in him, I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. If that's you, can you just stick your hands out like this? It's not, nothing magical about this prayer. The power is found by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. But just say this simple prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I turn from my sin and myself and I run after you. I bring all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my shortcomings. They're too heavy for me to bear. But I lay them at your feet and I receive your cleansing. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. And I receive your love. By faith in you, I am new today. By faith in you, I am forgiven today. And by faith in you, I'm a part of a new family. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Come on, pray that part again. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Because I can do nothing apart from you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I'm convinced that probably most of you have prayed that prayer and have experienced that grace, but I am very convinced there's a whole lot of you who are like me, who it's time to reconsider what does it mean to be devoted to this kind of community. That's where I'm at today. I'm not asking you to sign on a paper right now. I'm not asking you to, uh, but man, if the Holy Spirit is burning on you, in you to say, man, I need to run in community. I need that Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you didn't just save me for me. You saved me for community. You saved me to experience life in your kingdom with others. So, Holy Spirit, check my heart. Am I devoted or am I wishy-washy? Am I ankle deep or am I neck deep? Jesus, help me to take whatever step necessary to be devoted and to experience life in community so that I am transformed and the world around me is transformed. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Amen, amen. Receive this blessing as you go. Remember, you're not just saved from something, you're saved for something. We need each other. Just receive this benediction. Because how many of you know you and I are missionaries everywhere we go? Sent to bear witness to God's love in Christ. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand, God, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all, come on, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. 
Now may God send us in his power and by the love that grows from the soil of our hearts that are given over to his purposes. May he send us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.